Welcome to another episode of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, your home for the latest news and analysis from the world of college hoops. Back again are your hosts, Josh Burton, Phil Dexter, and Corey Gardner. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, episode 109. I'm, of course, Josh Burton, and we have the full gang with us today for our return into the summer shows. We have Peyton Burton with us, Phil Dexter, Corey Gardner. What is up, my guys? What up, everybody? I mean, don't all talk at once. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of excitement, a lot of excitement to get back on and start recording. I know, man. Um, Phil and I last did a show. It's been about a month ago when we did that that uh, watch along of the Indiana Duke Sweet 16 game from 02. Fun show. I've uh, got some good reviews on that. If you haven't listened to it, go back and check it out. It was a watch along edition. But I think we kind of alluded to it then, Phil, that um, with everything, the chaotic nature of college basketball right now with who's staying in the draft, who's coming back, who's transferring, it was a lot to keep up with. So I think we, if I remember right, we alluded to that we're going to space shows out. But now that we've came to the official draft deadline was yesterday, last night at 11.59 p.m. Eastern on June 1st. We're starting to get a little better idea of what teams will look like. Of course, we're going to talk about we still have some big-time transfers out there in the market, and things will be still – I mean, we have seen it every year in college basketball. We'll get into August, and all of a sudden a kid will reclassify. So we won't know until we start getting to our season previews later on in the summer, early fall, as a better, more definitive outlook on teams, but we at least have a better idea now. Um, let's start with those draft talk as far as who's in, who's back in college basketball, all that. Phil, I know you do your draft podcast, so we'll start it off with you. Some of the big names coming back, like Drew Timmy, some of the guys leaving the whole Shaden Sharp uh, fiasco is probably the best way to put it. Um, we'll start with you. Names coming back, names leaving. Who do you want to start with? Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to start with Gonzaga overall because I feel like they were probably the big winners in the past couple of days with guys coming back between Drew Timmy, um, Julian Strother, um, and then just everything that they have, you know, coming back from last year's team and coming in with Efton Reed coming from uh, LSU. Uh, Gonzaga's just looking really, really stacked next year. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Like, I think we all expected Timmy to be back. Um, obviously we know what type of player covering him and watching them, what type of player he is, but we all agreed throughout this last season that his game just does not translate to the NBA. He's one of those great college players, but he does not have an NBA type game. He could probably play overseas. He can make a kill in the G league, but I just never see him in the NBA unless this year, when he comes back at, at Gonzaga, he develops some kind of mid range or three point shot specifically but man, I just I thought that was a no-brainer. I'm actually surprised he waited this long. Yeah, I was a little surprised to see him go down to the edge with it too, especially because his his draft grades never really changed. You know, he's not a guy that started climbing up boards or anything after the combine. Um, like you said, it doesn't surprise me that he's coming back because his game is just not built for the NBA. Um, the one exception I think maybe to that, just from seeing him at the combine, is he does seem like he's going to be a good culture guy you know, very knowledgeable about the game when you've seen him in the timeouts, talking with the coaching staff, stuff like that. He, you know, obviously he knows a ton. So I could see him being an end of the bench, you know, Adam Morrison kind of guy on a championship team. But other than that, 
yeah, his, his career is going to be in Europe. Well, you talk about a culture guy, um, different positions, different type players, but like a Chris Archidiacono or Chris Archie Diacono, Villanova, um, playing the NBA, kind of a role player, but they talk about a culture guy because where he came from knows how to play. Uh, let's talk about some of the losers, though. Let's talk about Michigan, which Corey, Indiana, seemed to be favorite. We're going to talk about that here a little bit now coming back in the Big Ten with TJD and his big draft decision. Um, we'll get to that, but Michigan losing Musa Diabate and Caleb Houston, their two big five-star freshmen from last year. That Michigan team probably shouldn't deserve to be in the tournament. They did make it, made it to the second round, and now you're taking arguably two of the most talented players away. Fellas, how are we feeling about Michigan and Diabate Houston individually in the NBA draft now? Anybody? <laughs> okay. Corey, what, Phil? Well, I'll, I'll jump in real quick on uh, Diabate and Caleb Houston's draft prospects. Um, neither of them are going to get into the first round. I'd be highly surprised to see either of them in the first round. Um, it surprises me a little more to see Caleb Houston stay in the draft because I think he would have had more to gain by coming back just because of how highly he was seen coming into the season. You know, a lot of people had a top 10 to lottery grade on him coming into the year. So I think he maybe could have regained that status. Um, doesn't surprise me as much to see Diabate stay in the draft just because, you know, NBA teams love size and length. So he's going to get drafted. Somebody will take a chance on him. And he's just hoping to develop and, and hit that second contract before he would have otherwise. And, and that's a real big blow to Michigan. Like I mentioned, you know, probably shouldn't have made the tournament. We all thought so anyways, but they did make a second round and you take a couple talented kids, but Corey, let's go to your team. I just alluded to TJD to me. And I think all of us can agree. He made the smart decision. He probably would have got picked in the second round just because he's an older guy now. He's 6'9", 6'10", lefty, real athletic, rebounds, defends, block shots. There would have been a spot for him, but he would have been a two-way contract guy floating between the G League, getting called up for, uh, you know, here and there for the NBA. To me, him coming back to Indiana for his senior year not only solidifies Indiana, but was the right decision for Trace Jackson Davis. Um, as an Indiana fan, obviously I know you're excited, but your thoughts – I assume you made he. I assume you think he made the right decision. Yeah, no, absolutely. You kind of alluded to it there that you know a lot of draft boards had him right there at the end of the second round or even going undrafted. Um, I still think he has a little bit more to work on overall in his game. Uh, I think you know he took huge strides this year, uh, kind of expanding away from just the rim, but you know still has more to to work on in that mid range to you know uh, outside you know game. Uh, you know, six nine at the next level. You know, he has that athleticism to kind of play, but you know, the overall, you know, six nine, he's got to kind of be a little bit more versatile. Um, I think you know, it kind of started out as a two way uh, contract, and you know, try and uh, try and find his home there. But I think overall, the best move possible for him. And then uh, you know, it is really exciting with the recruiting class that Mike Woodson brought in, uh, getting him back, having the senior leadership. Uh, I think Indiana is going to be dangerous. I'm excited to see, uh, you know, kind of kind of get that back into, uh, you know, what we used to be back in the day. 
No, I completely agree. We'll talk about Indiana at the end of the show, but I, I do think so. I think it's a smart decision, Peyton, for TJD. We alluded to, like yeah. I mentioned, all last year. He needs to develop some sort of jump shot. We talked about it. In the games where he did actually pull the 15-foot, 17-foot jump shot, whether he made or missed it, it opened Indiana's floor and spacing up for them. If he can consistently find – he doesn't have – like, it would be ideal if he could hit threes. Like, if he could be, like, a 30% three-point shooter, I know it's not great, but that's good for him. But he definitely needs to be able to hit that 15-foot jump shot from elbow extended and make defenses play him honestly because in the NBA, he's going to have to be able to do that. Um, I know you feel the same way about him coming back to the right decision. Ton of uh, is there anything else you see that as a senior now for Trace Jackson Davis that he should work on besides that mid-range jump shot? Yeah, he needs to develop a right hand, 100%. He needs to be able to go to his right and finish with his right hand. That's an issue because he always – we talked about it about a couple months ago when we first brought this conversation up that he can only really go to his left because he can't hit a jump shot or if he doesn't – he doesn't really try to shoot a jump shot either, and that's another big issue. So if he's not going to develop a mid-range game, at least learn to go to your right and be more um, – be more of a well-rounded player. You can either go to your left or you can go to your right. It doesn't matter. He can finish. That, I think, is an issue he needs to fix coming back for his senior year. But Indiana, as much as I want to clown them, as much as me and Coy had this fun back and forth, Coy, your Indiana Hoosiers are going to be really fucking good next year. Yeah, we'll save that talk for the end, but yeah, you're right. We'll get to that. Um, yeah. Phil, let's, talk, let's talk about a team that we expected it. They're not going to lose a whole lot, but it's still the same time when you lose all this talent. It is devastating. It's something Kentucky's dealt with for 10-plus years now. But let's talk about during your neck of the woods, you cover them. Let's talk about Duke and the people that they lose. Paolo Bancaro, Trevor Keels went down to the wire. If you would have told me at the start of the year after that Kentucky game, he looked like a for-sure lottery pick. But now I think draft boards, you would know better than I do right now. I think draft boards, he's probably a second-round pick. So I really thought he probably should have leaned coming back, but nonetheless, he's taking his chance trying to turn pro. Um, Duke's losing a lot of talent. What's your outlook on the guys Duke is losing to the draft? Well, yeah, on, on Trevor Keels, he is looking at, you know, a second round grade right now. I think he could sneak into the late first, but I think his decision was a lot based on what Duke has coming in. And with Roach coming back, I think his role next year was questionable with Derek Whitehead, you know, coming in, like I said, Roach coming back. Um, I, Duke obviously loses a ton between Boncaro, Mark Williams, Wendell Moore, Keels. Um, but with the recruiting class that they have coming in, I mean, they pretty much replace everything they lose. Um, it, it's hard to imagine Derek Lively steps in and is this, has the same defensive impact that Mark Williams does, but he is a better offensive player. So I honestly don't see Duke taking much of a step back next year. Then let's go to their, their rival counterparts. Let's go to North Carolina. They are on the opposite end of the spectrum. We talk about Gonzaga being a big winner. How about North Carolina? Um, to me, smart decisions. You look at Caleb Love coming back. You look at Armando Baycock coming back. They essentially bring back, not everybody, of course, but they bring back that core that went to the national title game and were within a couple possessions of winning a national title. Big decisions. But to me, the right decisions, how are we all feeling about North Carolina? Because I think that if they're not the number one preseason team in the ECB top 25 poll, they're at least two. 
they're going to be damn good. Yeah, top three, 100%. Doesn't matter. It's, especially if they would have got Matthew Mayer. If they would have got Matthew Mayer pretty much replacing a Brady Manick from last year, then no question I think North Carolina was going to be the best team in the country coming into next season. But even without him, they're still really good. Guys like R.J. Davis coming back is huge. Armando Bacat's probably top three in my race for uh, the Wooden National Player of the Year next season. Him and along with another player, we'll probably talk about him a little bit. But it is huge for North Carolina. Great offseason for Hubert Davis. Um, North Carolina is going to be really fucking good next year as well. Well, and let's not forget there's still a, a transfer, a big-time transfer that they're in on who hasn't committed yet, and Pete Nance out of Northwestern. Um, he just rescinded his name out of the draft. And uh, he had a crystal ball for Gonzaga, but when Timmy announced he was coming back, they switched that to an undecided. So would not surprise me at all to see Pete Nance at UNC, which would just give them another huge weapon. Yeah, I think he averaged like 13.9. Uh, Northwestern in this last year, right around 13, 14 points a game. Yeah. Uh, it, just another weapon. Even if he comes off the bench as a super sub, uh, it's another weapon to North Carolina. I mean, the Tar Heels are going to be damn good. North Carolina is going to be really good. Hey, guys, I want to – we haven't really talked about it on the show. We talked about it during the season, but that was still when we were being misled and expected. Well, not necessarily expected because we always had our doubts, but we were told he would return. I want to hear you guys' thoughts on the whole Shaden Sharp debacle because Coach Cal, if you hear him talk, and we heard it in the season, and even his parents and Shaden himself said that 100% he would be at Kentucky this upcoming next year. But the whole time we find out that his handler, which apparently has more power and decision-making over him than his parents, which is weird, secretly was telling NBA teams that he was going to the draft. Um, you hear executives have been saying that they don't know if they can trust the kid because of this. But talent-wise, the kid is top three, top five draft pick for here in a couple of weeks in the NBA draft. To me, as a Kentucky fan, obviously, I have my opinions, but I'm curious to hear what you guys think about this whole debacle. Um, it to, I think we can all at least agree that it should have been handled way differently. Well, I mean, if some of the stories are to be believed about the way his camp was handling things, it's just – it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, I read things that his camp lied to Kentucky about what his true high school graduation date was when he committed um, – and things like that. So, I mean, it definitely wasn't handled the right way. I, I don't think NBA teams are going to penalize Shaden too much because I think everybody knows that it wasn't him driving that decision. But, I mean, debacle is the right word, especially with a lot of the information that's been coming out here in the last few weeks. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I don't think it was all on Shaden. Well, I'm not going to pay like pretty much any of the blame on Shaden. I just think it was the way that everything that was handled um, with his handlers saying that he's going to come back and then all of a sudden he's not coming back. It's just an unfortunate situation that led Kentucky to get misleading information because they thought he was coming back next year. And if he did, if he was going to come back for this upcoming year, Kentucky was definitely going to be probably my number one heading into next season because he's a top three, top five pick in this year's NBA draft. He's a superstar caliber player. Do I think he'll make a good NBA career? Hell yeah. But it's still a shitty situation that nobody wants to be a part of. Do you know what sucks about this? And I'm hoping I get the right kid right because Arkansas is going to be another really good team. Um, you guys can help me out on this. But 
with Shaden committing to Kentucky and then saying he's going to play next year, that drove away Nick Smith to Arkansas, the five-star kid. Um, it, Phil, I'm right about that, right? It's Nick Smith, right? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. So Nick Smith, if you believe what you hear from the analysts, was wanting to go to Kentucky. But when they signed Shaden, and especially when they kept saying he's going to be there, they played the same position, and he didn't want to battle with him, so he went to Arkansas. So that screwed Kentucky as well because Nick Smith for next year's draft is a lottery pick, if you hear everybody talk about it. Um, extremely talented kid, so it screwed the Cats all the way around. Um, I just think it could be – I never understand the situation. If the kid says he's coming back and wants to come back, if the parents say he's coming back and wanting to come back, then why should any other outside influence have that much power to deny that? I've never understood that. Why? That's almost like a blackmail situation to me. I'm sure it's a situation where money talks too. you know, it's, and and I'm not holding it against shade nor his parents, but it's very easy for them to say those things throughout the season. And then once you're actually able to have these meetings with NBA teams after the year, and you're getting those promises of where you're going to be drafted and stuff, you know, it's hard to turn down, two years of a guaranteed contract and especially if you're going to be a top 10 pick where you're going to get five plus million a year Corey, it looked like you were getting ready to say something yeah i was just going to say you know it's it's a whole lot of you know promises and it's a whole lot of you know outside influences and you know you got to think an 18 19 year old kid has a lot of people pulling him in a lot of different directions i think that was the biggest thing that influenced here uh, you know, sometimes, you know, an outside source kind of gets the year before the parents and, you know, a lot of promises. The next thing you know is kids don't always, you know, always don't have the uh, the best conversations or the best information getting led to them. And I think that was the situation that, you know, entailed here. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, I mean, especially with NIL, you hear Oscar is going to make $2 million plus, And I was hearing Shaden was going to make that and probably more. Um, so it, really we're talking about a matter of a million and a half, two million in difference here. But nonetheless, moving on, um, wishing the best in the NBA, but would have loved to see him play in college basketball, obviously. Um, this broke after the season and in between before we could have a chance to talk about. So real quick, I want to talk about the retirement suddenly of Jay Wright. Peyton, we had talked about, I think one of our last shows about now that coach K's retired, that Jay Wright was probably our unanimous best coach in college basketball. And then within a week or two after that, he ups and retires. To me, it sounds suddenly, I think to a lot of us, it sounded suddenly but he seems very comfortable with it. Um, it seems like it's another one of those cases like Roy Williams where the landscape of college basketball ever changing with NILs and everything. He just wanted to say peace and be out and spend more time with his family. The game lost a tremendous head coach and a tremendous human being and probably the best-dressed man in college basketball. <laughs> uh, it, I want to hear all your thoughts real quick on the sudden retirement of Jay Wright. Well, even after like the COVID year, where everybody like got rid of the series, he's still probably the best dress. But yeah. it definitely came out of left field. Um, nobody expected this happening. It legit happened. I don't remember it was like a couple months ago, but when I seen the news and it came on my phone about the Bleacher Report that he's retiring, I was shocked. I was stunned because yeah, we was talked about literally a week prior before that when we did our final show of the season. We talked about. Who was going to take over Coach K's mantle? Was it going to be him, Jay Wright, or was it going to be Bill Self? And we kind of went back and forth. And then all of a sudden he retires. 
he's a Hall of Famer. He's a hell of a hell of a coach. Great guy, like you said. The game's going to miss him, but in the span of 12 months, in the span of a year, we've lost Coach Roy Williams, we've lost Coach K, and now we lost Coach Jay Wright. Three Hall of Fame level coaches we've lost in the span of a year. That is wild. The game of college basketball is changing right before our eyes. Yeah, it's it's a crazy time, Phil. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I think we were all shocked by the Jay Wright news just because there hadn't been, you know, any allusion to it or anything like that. But I think if you look at how quickly the succession plan was handled and how nobody's left the staff, they haven't lost any recruiting commitments, it seems to me that this plan was probably in place for a little while and they just did a good job of keeping it under wraps. I completely agree with that. Corey, you got any thoughts on Jay Wright's retirement? Yeah, I just think overall with the uh, with COVID and, you know, with, uh, you know, uh, coming back from that, the NLI deals and all that is changing the whole landscape of, you know, college sports. I think uh, I think there's going to be a lot of changes here, you know, not even this year, but next year and the next couple of years. I think just the entire landscape, I mean, it's affecting, you know, I mean, the baseball world, but it's affecting baseball this year heavily. I think it's going to continue affecting a lot of different sports, but I think this was a, a situation that – a lot of conversations were happening behind the scenes and this was something that, you know, uh, was, you know, already in the works and, you know, it was kind of, kind of ready to happen. I think it was just more of a shock to the outside people. So I want to wrap up today's show. Like I said, today's going to be a kind of a quick hitter to get our feet wet and update you guys on some stuff, but real quick, um, we've got about 10 minutes left in the show. Let's rapid fire each of our teams. We're going to do a full preview back in the fall when it's time and we have everything set. But right now, as we sit here on June 2nd, rapid fire, quick outlooks on our teams. Peyton, we'll start with you in Louisville. A lot of hype and surrounding the Louisville Cardinals this year. Yep, there's definitely a lot of hype. And it's funny that you start with probably the worst team of all of our favorite teams of the bunch. But Louisville is going to it's be. It's not probably, it is. Okay, go fuck yourself. Louisville, <laughs> the first year of Kenny Payne. Is going to be interesting because, like I mentioned kind of earlier, Louisville has no guard play right now. We've missed out on guys like Kendrick Davis. We've missed out on Isaiah Mosley. And we just missed out on Tyrese Hunter, who committed to Texas Tech, I believe. We don't have any guards. Only guards right now is uh, Mike James, who was injured last season uh, with a big-time Achilles injury. And we got LLS. That's really it. So that alone is going to concern me a lot. Do I think Louisville was squeaking into the tournament? Yes, I do, especially if the ACC is not as good as it was you know, last year. Um, I think Louisville can squeak in the tournament, but do I think we can do some damage in the tournament? No, we just don't have the guard play. Overall, I'm excited for Coach Payne's first year, but I, we're definitely going to struggle. So don't expect us to go top three in the ACC because that's not going to happen. No, I'm with you. I think Louisville's tournament team, I uh, completely agree. But year one, they'll set up year two. I, th- I think Louisville's in good hands. We'll go down to Corey. Indiana's probably for the first time in a long time, at least 10 years, the Big Ten favorites, I would say. They're going to be loaded to bear if they can't get it done this year. Uh, not necessarily winning the Big Ten or anything, but if they can't be really good this year, and be a top four seed, then I don't know what else is going on down there. Real quick, Corey, your uh, initial outlook on the Indiana Hoosiers. Yeah, I think uh, the overall recruiting class was exactly what we needed. Uh, you know, a top 10 class. Mike Woodson had a lot of hype going in last year, taking over Archie's team and, you know, having a winning record. Uh, now I think this year is the year that they finally get that swing of breaking the six-year streak of having a losing record in the Big Ten. I think they compete for the conference title. 
the biggest question I think that everybody's waiting to hear is what happens with Xavier Johnson after the uh, the arrest this offseason and the uh, the charges of resisting arrest and all of that. I think uh, that's been kind of quiet under, you know, kept in-house. I think that's the biggest question now uh, with uh, Malik, with uh, Hood Sofino and, you know, Caleb Banks and all those, or uh, CJ Gunn and all those guys. I think it's going to uh, be an exciting recruiting class again. I think it's going to, uh, you know, take some big steps in the future. And I think, you know, this is the year, like you said, it's a top four seater this year. It's kind of. Uh, upsetting one to Hoosier fans. So I'm excited for it. We got some tough games with uh, Kansas, uh, with Arizona, hopefully Louisville back on the schedule. And, you know, I think uh, I think it's going to definitely be a, a swing for Indiana. I think it's good for college basketball when a team like Indiana is good again. Phil, real quick for you in Illinois and a brief preview. Yeah, I feel really good about uh, what Illinois has coming in. You know, number seven recruiting class in the country. Got Sky Clark at the last second. Um, three overall top 50 recruits, um, bringing three great transfers with Terrence Shannon Jr., Matthew Mayer, and uh, Dane Donja. So, uh, I mean, they lost a little bit between transfers and, you know, Kofi going to the draft, stuff like that, but they still have Melendez coming back. Um, I think Illinois is going to be really, really good next year, should compete for the Big Ten title, and uh, should without a doubt be a tournament team. Yeah, I can – I see Illinois and Indiana. I see you two over this next year having a hell of a battles back and forth for the Big Ten title, talking a lot of shit, which will be a lot of fun. As far as Kentucky goes, we just talked about Shaden Sharp. Um, but with that, the Cats are going to be good. Keon Brooks still up in the air. He apparently is still transferring. Um, despite rumors, he may actually still come back to Kentucky. We only have 10 scholarship players. Kason Wallace um, and Chris Livingston are on campus. They just got there. The rest of the team is back on campus. Kentucky plays in August and they're every four year uh, you get the every four year, like overseas international trip. They'll be back down in, I think it's the Bahamas. So you'll get a chance. And those teams that it's historically been proven, the teams that get those trips like that, those early two or three games, but the early practices for about two weeks are teams that are really good throughout the year. Kentucky's going to bring back a lot of experience, severe Wheeler, the national player of the year with Oscar Shibway. Jacob Toppins returning. Lance Ware hopes to have a big junior year. Then you bring in transfers like Antonio Reeves, a 35 point, or 35% three-point shooter um, from Illinois State. That's about a 20-point-per-game scorer. And C.J. Frederick should be healthy this year. I, I do see the one weakness with Kentucky is three-point shooting because outside of Antonio Reeves' 35% and C.J. Frederick's career 40% from the three-point line, not a whole lot of three-point shooting, so that does concern me. But Kentucky is going to be old again this year. They're going to be deep, and anytime you return the National Player of the Year, it's never a bad thing. I expect the Cats to preseason be top five, contend for another SEC title, both regular season and tournament crown. And, again, you know, still holding off from that, that upset. But I, I expect Kentucky, if everything goes according to plan, to be a top two seed and to be a final four favorite. So that's that. Um, I think for the first time, though, I know Phil and Corey's only been here with us for essentially a year now. And then Peyton, we've been here since the start, of course. But this will be the first time all four of our teams have been – should be really good. So it could be for an exciting ECB season from all of us. So that's exciting. Yeah, we'll this see if Louisville can hold up their end of the bargain. But Man, I hope we get you guys in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. We schedule Indiana. I'll take all of you motherfuckers on in one season. I don't give a damn. We'll whoop all your asses. 
Louisville doesn't have a big enough name to take Indiana this year. Maybe Illinois. Blah. <laughs> <laughs> Peyton already said on his show that um, he does hope he gets Illinois. That way he can – Louisville can be the official king of the Assembly Hall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sky Clark is going to tear them up. Yeah, we'll see about that. Oh, man. Does, does Louisville have a guard to defend him? I don't know. We'll see. I hope it happens because I'm down. <laughs> I yeah, would love I mean, to see Imani end up there. That would be a hell of a showdown. I think I text in our group chat as we're about to end the show here um, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about all this stuff, that if Louisville does play Indiana this year somehow and they do get Illinois in the Big Ten ACC, Peyton's team will play all three of us. Like, he'll be the only school to play all three of us, and it would be hilarious if he beats both of you and you guys end up having to cheer for uh, cheer for the Cats to stop Louisville from going to a clean ECB sweep. So that would be fun. I would probably yeah, I would rather cheer deal for with a natural me. disaster before I would cheer for the Cats. But Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, would, I would cheer for the sweeps. I would cheer for the sweep. But yeah. <laughs> You guys are a bunch of haters. What do we got here? A couple haters? A couple haters. <laughs> a couple haters. Uh, but we all know quick. there's not a chance that, uh, you know, the Louisville sweeps. And then on top of that, Indiana could be the team that plays all three, but, you know, Cal's still scared, so it's fine. Oh, my God. We'll get into all that. We don't have enough time on today's show, but there is talks about hopefully reviving that, so that'll be a lot of fun. I do hope that series comes back. But the the Cats cards will be played. It did come out um, that that game will be played on December 31st right in the smack dab middle of the college football playoffs. Um, but the best rivalry in college basketball will still Damn show you. Say let's it just, again. We play just, that. Let's just hope Louisville actually decides to show up and not get scared this year. Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> Ain't nobody scared of playing Kentucky. You okay? guys were this last year. <laughs> no, we were not. Tell me how anyone can be scared of Kentucky when you're losing to fucking Evansville, St. Peter's, and whoever, Notre Dame. Come on now. We would well, have – Louisville last... would have to make the tournament for them to have a chance to lose to St. Peter's. <laughs> so. Shut your fucking mouth, okay? I hope, oh, man. All right, we'll end the show there so we can pick it back up with the rivalry again for episode 110. But we thank you guys for sticking with us. We will be back into a semi-regular flow of things now that everything's settled down. Um, be on the lookout for more watch-alongs. We do have the Illinois-Arizona Classic from the Elite Eight in 2005. A lot of great content, as always, coming from, from ECB. We're heading into year five. So we thank you guys for your uh, years of loyal support. Hope you enjoy this little quick hitter episode. But until episode 110, for Peyton, Corey, and Phil, I'm Josh. We hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and we will catch you down the road for episode 110.